Hey champ, looks like you got an easy night tonight. <laughs> I bet you're just shaking in your boots. <laughs> well, you know, I'm just gonna have to send that munchkin back to Oz where she belongs. Don't get too overconfident. That ankle biter is a fiery little wrestler. Ankle biter? <laughs> well, you know, crushing people's dreams just happens to be one of my favorite hobbies, so let's go do this, shall we? You know, when we all have our 15 minutes of fame, and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. This match is for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling Podcast. This is your host, Mr. Green. How are you? And thank you for tuning in. And we have got a lot to go down through. Not just uh, the wild stuff, but, you know, I, uh, I try to keep my, my hands in the uh, in the pot of the wrestling community, so to speak. And I've been notified about two upcoming shows that you out there listening may want to check out one way or the other whether that be you attending live or whether that be you uh, streaming it online so uh, there's a, a couple of these that i want to knock off real quick before we go into the full review of episode 35 um of wow women of wrestling but uh let's let's begin here um for those of you in the southeast region, uh, and this, I've been notified, it will be up online, uh, available for you to watch if you are not. Uh, it will probably be, according to them, about a month after is is um, is run. Now, this is a tournament for F- SFCW's first women's championship this is the uh, southern fried championship wrestling for those who did not know what that stood for again this takes place in the uh, southeast region uh and for the first time this this promotion has existed for about 10 years and for the first time in their promotions history they are now assigning a women's championship they've had several women's matches but they've not had a women's championship so um I'm going to read off some of the names here. Well, first, let me, you know, why not just give you the rundown of how they announced this? Uh, beyond um, how the announcer came out and, and gave a, a nice little build up for them, and, and this video does exist on their, their YouTube channel if you are interested and you want to see this take place. Um, they featured some of my, my favorite people, quite honestly, male and female for that matter. The, the, the tag team, the, the Exotic Youth which is a three-man team, which is like the modern-day Freebirds. And, um, they came and interrupted that. Basically, they were there to position themselves as the women's tournament. How dare you? Nobody wants to be seeing that stuff. They should be at home cooking. cooking you know, that guy. They, you always have to have that, right? So, so the exotic youth essentially filled that position. Um, 
they they're going to be the clear heels of the event. There's no doubt about that. It, but that comes off as a bonus match. Uh, for those of you that watch MLW and you know Mads Kruger, he used to wrestle for Southern Fried Championship Wrestling as Logan Creed. That was his uh, <clears throat> his previous existence, and he came back to you know basically a hero's welcome. He's He's been with MLW for a while as one of the resident monsters, but in this location, you know, he's uh, all babyface. Also, he's the husband to uh, one of the participants there. So basically, he he came off and he said, "Look, he ran off the uh, the exotic youth doing doing the promotion of favor, and he also put the focus on the women. You know, he he did." He did a great job. <laughs> he put the focus back on the women so that you knew what this whole thing was about. And, and now the, I guess the funny spot that took place there of, of the three, the smallest one didn't get the memo that the other two left the ring, apparently. <laughs> so if you haven't seen Logan Creed, I, he's maybe a hair underneath seven feet if he's not a full seven feet. So when he comes into the ring, we know we're doing the giant spot. Two of the members, um, Bryce Cannon and uh, Zach Mosley, the million-dollar mullet Zach Mosley. Excuse me, I've called a couple of his matches before, so I, you know, I'm, I'm obligated to use his moniker. Uh, the million-dollar mullet Zach Mosley and, and his and tag team partner Bryce Cannon, they both dipped out of the ring, leaving their third partner Cornelius Pepperbottom. Yes, it's a weird name, <laughs> but that's his name. Uh, standing face to face or face to stomach to Logan Creed, and you know, of course, Logan does his thing, runs him off, and yay! So, uh, like I said, he presented like a star. He came off like a star, um, and then they announced the women and the women that were entering in the tournament. Some of these you may recognize, some of you may not. Uh, there's several of them on our YouTube channel, on the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. So if you're not familiar with them and you want to become familiar, uh, feel free to go and uh, browse through and find some of the matches featuring these names. Uh, one of them, the first, is Super Babyface in F SFCW uh, Brooklyn Creed. Uh, Rose Gold with her significant other, Nathan Vanderbilt. Gemma Jules, Kat Spencer, which again, somebody that you can go back and look at a match of on, on our channel. Uh, daughter of former WWF slash WWE superstar Jimmy Wang Yang, Jazzy Yang is in the tournament. The former mean girl, but when you see her in this uh, uh, video, she looks like she's adopting a new persona or a new gimmick she's dyed her hair she's wearing the, the the bucket hat she's got the shades on she she used to be the mean girl she was all she was kind of forged after the uh the, you know the mean girls of the movie of the same name but uh she seems to have dropped that she's not even carrying the burn book anymore danny jordan so i don't know what her her new deal is but she's got a new look and uh as popular as Brooklyn is, their main heel uh, is Crystal Rose, the natural born legend. So you have that. Uh, what, can't, what happened next is uh, Callie Sexton brings out the belt to display to the crowd and the viewers on, online, then they announce the brackets. Imagine that. 
a tournament that announced the brackets. I mean, I don't know why any promotion wouldn't let you know who was in it. Wow. But, you know, that's that's neither here nor there. Uh, Rose Gold will be taking on Brooklyn Creed in round one. Jimma Jules will be taking on Cat Spencer in round one. Jazzy Yang will be taking on Danny Jordan in round one. And there was an alleged mystery opponent, speaking of wild, that Crystal Rose will be taking on. Um, what they did here is that they played the interview over the, the uh, PA system in the building. <clears throat> uh, normally, I would say that, well, that's not going to work. I mean, come on. You can't even see the person. But uh, the person on the line, without revealing their name, in my view, made it very clear about who they are. And, but just with the things that said like voodoo and so on and so forth and, and given that the area that she stayed it's Nina Monet if you don't know who Nina Monet is uh, she is Siren the voodoo doll on wild television so she will be part of the SFCW well let me let me backtrack that a little bit because they never officially announced that she the person that's going against Crystal Rose is a mystery opponent. So let, let me pronounce this properly. and Because I don't want to get uh, the, the promotion in trouble or make me come off like a lot. There is no advertised statement that says this is Nina Monet. All right, so let's be clear. There's no advertised statement that says this is Nina Monet that's showing up at this event. I assume it's Nina Monet because of the promo. I assume it's Nina Monet because of the voice. But I, you know, on the off chance, I could be wrong. You might want to, you know, tune in to see who the person is. And, of course, the cards always have to change. So, I have to take that into account. But those are, the, those are the four matches. And the eight women. Is, if you've ever watched the King of the Ring uh, tournament, that the initial King of the Ring pay-per-view tournament, let me be clear, uh, it's going to be uh, a bracketing along those lines that was eight man tournament this is eight woman tournament so you got about three rounds until you get to that final and if i'm a betting man i expect either brooklyn creed or crystal rose to come out on top now that's not to say that you know you, you couldn't upset the, the the house with jazzy yang or Danny Jordan, but those are the ones that I feel have the strongest chance to walk out with that championship. The bonus match will be exotic, uh, not exotic, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Logan Creed, he said he, he wanted a, a bonus match just to take care of these guys for trying to ruin the, uh, the show. So, yes, it is an all-women's tournament that is going to take place. This happens on June the 3rd. So that is upcoming. Is is you got about a, a week as of my recording. Um, so he's going to come in as, as a bonus, and again, in in that environment, he is a star. So he's he's very likely to draw some people that just want to come to see him and get him to sign autographs and stuff like that. Because um, I know MLW isn't high on everybody's uh, wrestling list. Some people love it. Some people are like, eh, you know, they, they can take it or leave it. But um, he is, uh, for better or worse, he is on MLW, and he does get more views on him than he than he had before. And uh, him showing up there is going to be a big deal for that audience. It's, uh, that's, 
that is one that we have to share there. That that is a uh, it's going to be a, a nice show. I think it's going to be a, a big deal for them. And if you get the opportunity to check it out, uh, please do. Uh, one of the other things that's uh, going on is um, there is a full women's not pr- production. <laughs> I'm getting the words. I, I was I was just sent this the other day um, by one of the participants. This is Big Bad Mama. Now if I don't know if you if you guys know her, she's in the Midwest. And this is something that is being put on by Northern Wrestling Federation and PGWA. And they are running a all-female tournament that will, uh, this is, uh, what's the name of it? The Revolution Rising 2, Queens of the Midwest. And that is going to take place, again, as of this recording, is actually tomorrow. It is Saturday, May 27th, uh, Covington, Kentucky. So, if you are in the area, then you you might want to check that out. I'm not sure if this one is streaming. I have not seen anything that that has pronounced that as streaming. But uh, if they have changed anything, you can go on to nwfwrestling.com and you can check that out and you can see whether they have any sort of a um, streaming uh, information that they may be able to share. Or that you could purchase uh, for download or you know something like that to help support the the product. But again, you know you you've got to go through the names. Now uh, some of these you're not going to recognize. I mean, they're local to the to the region, and some of them you will. So let me give you this match. You can go onto the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. Facebook page and Instagram, and you could get this full lineup and get all the information and the link. So, if you are interested, go there. Go to the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. If you can't remember anything else, go to our, our Facebook page, our Instagram page, and you can get this information. But the participants, and again, the card is subject to change for Queens of the Midwest. Big Mama with in her corner, Breezy versus Allison K from Impact Wrestling. And NWA and, you know, various other locations across the country. Uh, Judy Ray versus Savannah Sweet. Marty Bell, also from the NWA and Impact Wrestling and various other places and promotions across the country. Taking on Raleigh Matthews. Anika taking on the Dreamer Paige Jones. Kylan King versus Nikki Victory. And I'm going to say right now, I do think that that match may not take place. The last version of the poster that I saw, uh, Kylene King, for whatever reasons, wasn't on it anymore. So take that with a grain of salt. I'm reading the lineup that I have, but I do not think that Kylene King will be there. So Nikki Victory may have a different opponent, or she may be slotted in somewhere else, just you know, just FYI. Uh, the big flexor, Alexis Littlefoot, Versus Jack Jack's Stinger versus the Amazon in their triple threat match of the evening, and for the NWF Women's Championship, it will be Ella taking on Kayla Cassidy. VIP and the meet and greet takes place at 6 p.m. The doors open at 6:30. The show will start at 7:30. Again, this all takes place May 27th, Covington, Kentucky, on tomorrow, May the 27th. 
So you will want to get your information and check that out. And again, if you're trying to find out if it's uh, something that is streaming, you probably would like to go to their nwfwrestling.com page and uh, see what kind of uh, what kind of setup they have, uh, <clears throat> if they have one at all. And finally, and I, I, I don't want to say the most important, but this one is going to be um, interesting. Why is it going to be interesting exactly? It is Ultimate Women of Wrestling. You, you've got Ultimate in front of in front of Women of Wrestling. I honestly don't know if they are looking to be competition here. I, that's why I said this was interesting. We got Women's Wrestling, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, but we also have Ultimate Women of Wrestling, which is headed out of uh, Las Vegas. But not only are they headed out of Las Vegas, but they're going essentially into WoW's backyard on their big event. This is going to take place at the Globe Theater Sunday, June 25th. And they will be, like I said, pretty much in WoW's backyard. And they have a lineup. This show, I might watch all of them. I'm I'm just going to say I might watch all of them so I can do a review for all of them. But, um... This one, um, I am looking forward to. I, I want to see this show. I, I have to admit. So let me give you the, the lineup as they have this thing listed right now. So this is going to take place again, Los Angeles, California, from the Globe Theater, Sunday, June 25th. Uh, and, oh, 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 this will be streaming. They've already made the announcement. If you are not available to go to Los Angeles, this will stream. So you have every opportunity to A, support, and B, watch this show. All right. So, and there's going to be names that you probably don't recognize, but there will be some names you do. Here, here they are. Starting off with Jordan Blue, who I see on my, my uh, social media lineup all the time. She's taking on former WOW superhero Katie Forbes. I forget what name she worked under when she was in WoW. Uh, it was it was it was something akin to a uh, Kardashian gimmick, you know, something like that. But and and probably because you know Katie has a rather <laughs> how can I she has a ra- rather ample backside, so you know I'm pretty sure that that played into that. But uh, yeah, she that that would be one match. Another one is going to be Jasmine Allure taking on Everly Rivera. The name may sound familiar. It's different when you're looking at her on WoW. Yes, Everly is a WoW superhero who will be at this show. Um, on WoW, she's Vivian, and she's part of Los Bandidas, managed by Sofia Lopez, which, honestly, it would have been great if they could have got Lopez out there to do this show. I mean, I know she wouldn't be able to participate as Sofia Lopez, but Everly Rivera with, uh, what's her, Garcia's actual last names. You know, just make up a new gimmick first name and then go out there as Garcia. Um, Tag team match for the tag team championships of the UWW. 
<clears throat> it will be the Renegade Twins, who actually are local to to uh, Georgia. I, they may have moved by now, but I know they kicked off the career here, and they've done so much. I mean, they they've been NWA, they've gone to AEW, albeit it's on AEW Elevation and Dark. Uh, they've hit the independence. They've gone from one side of this country to the next. I mean, and I remember when they first started, they were not good. <laughs> they weren't. They didn't come across as necessarily the smoothest pair, but they just they keep racking it up. They keep getting better. I I'm waiting to see them pop up on some place that can accommodate them. Like a you know, it, it probably has to be NWA or or Impact. Those only two places that actually seem to care about their tag team division for the women. But the Renegade Twins will be taking on uh, Johnny Robbie and Brooke Havoc. Johnny Robbie, also a wild superhero who is listed as Robbie Rocket. So you've got two young ladies that are from wild that are participating on the ultimate women of wrestling uh, show. There will be a triple threat with Alex Garcia taking on Harley Cameron, taking on Heather Reckless. There will be a match for their North American Championship with Miranda Alizé coming out of uh, Reality of Wrestling and Danny B, who I believe also is coming out of Reality of Wrestling. There will be, I guess, a, uh, a battle. We'll, we'll call it a battle of the giants in, in female you know, wrestling. It'll be Lady Tapa taking on uh, Kylan King, who, like I said, may not be at that other show, but she'll be at this one, apparently. This will be for the United States Championship. And arguably their main event will be, and I'm sure this will hit meet with be met with controversy. I'm sorry. Uh Ashley D'Ambrose taking on former WOW women's champion, former impact women or knockouts champion and and impact champion for that matter. Uh, Tessa Blanchard, she will be there, and she will be, I guess, the biggest name that is available to uh, this show that will actually be wrestling. The host of the show also was a former WOW participant with Melissa Santos. She was the former ring announcer. And we have a special guest, former WWE superstar and Divas champion and women's champion, Melina. She will be there as well. So, that is a big, big, big card. Lots of names. Uh, it is interesting to me. I, I just hope that it produces well. I actually was going to take a flight and go out there and try to see this live uh, and, and watch it, you know, in person, which I think is probably the uh, the best way that I could have done it. But you know, if I can't see it live, then I certainly will make my efforts to watch this streaming. So you have uh, some ladies from around the country that are going to be converging on Los Angeles to take on their given opponent and produce this show. The, I don't even does the show have a name. I mean, I was just I just thought about that. You know, um, I see that they have uh, all the participants, but what do they have a name? Oh, okay, there we go. It's, I guess this would be Heat Wave. <laughs> this UWW's Heat Wave. So there we have it. You you've got that. Uh 
check them out. And if again, if you're not there, how can you stream it? Go to ultimatewrestling.tv. Ultimatewrestling.tv. That will give you uh, the access to go and uh, begin to stream again. Remember, this is uh, June 25th, so you got some time. And that is one of the, one of their sponsors to take care of that. They're not my sponsors, so I don't have to you know reiterate that point. All right, so there you go. Those are those are three big shows, all women's wrestling that you either can uh, look at online or make some effort to go out in there and check out. Uh, it should be quite the show, quite honestly. I mean, I, I, I'm speaking specifically that I want to see the Southern Fried and I definitely want to see the UWW. Uh, and, and if I get the opportunity, then I will also check out uh, the Queens of the Midwest. Lots of stuff to watch. Lots. Okay, so let's get into WOW and episode 35 titled The Underdog. Um, before I do that, I had a, a question sent in to me that um, I, I feel like I need to just address briefly before I, I go on. This comes from somebody who listed himself as, <coughs> as Kirby. So for you, Kirby, the the question that he sent was, why do you dislike Chantilla Chelly? It was very straight and to the point. <laughs> so why do I dislike her? I, I don't dislike Chantilla Chella. I dislike the name. I dislike the persona of Chantilla Chella. Like Chantilla Chella, opposed to Ray Lynn to me, is a step down. I, and I know some people are like, well, it's the same. No, it's, I, I got the... I'm trying to think of a, what would be a really good example to kind of prove that, drive the point home that when you when you take on a different persona in some places, you, they're just not the same person anymore. Ah, uh, gosh. Oh, okay. You know, this first this is an old reference, so I might have to think of another one anyway. But it's the difference between the big boss man and big rubber, big Bubba Rogers. That that's what it's like for me. There are people out there who just did not see anything in Big Bubba Rogers. Usually those are fans of the, the WWF. And so when they see Ray Trailer in the, the, the pinstripe shirt and the suspenders and shades and the, and the hat and playing the bodyguard thing, some people just did not really care for that because he didn't, he didn't do all that much. He really didn't speak. He was he was muscle, but he you know he really didn't illustrate who he was. As the big boss man, he spoke a lot and he and he seemed very natural. You know he because he was legitimate prison guard, he, so it came off well for him. But you have people who cared or liked him in one version or the other, and, that, and you can go a step further than that. There's some people that liked him as. Big Boss Man Federation years, and then there's some people that liked him better as Big Boss Man Attitude Era years, you know. And there's a there's a big difference there. Steve Austin is another one. Steve Austin to see the difference between him as Stunning Steve and Stone Cold is almost night and day. 
It doesn't mean that you dislike him. It's just like there are people. I like them both, quite honestly, because I grew up with them both. But uh, there are some people out there who just like, nah, you know, stone cold. Because they have no they have no identif- identifying relationship uh, with Steve Austin and his stunning phase. So, you know, that that's what I, when I say that I dislike Chantilla Chella. I dislike Chantilla Chella. <laughs> Sorry, I dislike, I got to bleep that out. I dislike her as uh, the persona. <laughs> I would prefer Ray Lynn. Ray Lynn is fun to watch. Ray Lynn is, you know, a fantastic wrestler. It feels like she has to downplay what she can do when she's in a wild ring because she is like, I got to slow down to try to make this work. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but it, it just it seems like that to me. So yeah, I, it, I don't dislike the person. I dislike the character or the persona, and I would prefer the the character or persona that was made by her on her own. Now, also in fairness to Wow, I'm not gonna sit here and be like, oh yeah, everything they came with, came up with was terrible. But in fairness to WoW, I, I think like with Wrecking Ball, they went out absolutely the right way. Because the name that she gave herself on her own, I was like, I didn't, I don't even know if that makes a lot of sense. Heidi Horowitz? I mean, I know it's a gun, but still. <laughs> Wrecking Ball is just easier. <laughs> it's just easier. So, so it's not always that they make these things, it's just that I didn't particularly care for that. So there you go, Kirby. Um... Getting into the show, you start off the same way that you always do. The show does a recap, and it starts covering an angle that you're not going to see again until maybe a week or two from now. Uh, it recaps Samantha Smart and the rah-rah angle. You know, and I know why they do that, because they, they have to try to keep it present in your mind some kind of way, some way, somehow. But the problem that I have developed with that is that it doesn't seem effective. I think they need to find another way to do this. And the only reason I say it doesn't seem effective, and like I said, to some of you that may have listened to previous episodes, you know that I talk to people who are not in the weeds of the wrestling universe. They, you know, they watch it because it's entertaining, but they're they're not jumping online, they're not going to the, you know, the websites or listening to dirt sheets or reading the dirt sheets or listening to podcasts. And, you know, they're not wrestling fans the way I'm a wrestling fan, the way that you might be a wrestling fan. They're just casual. They just watch the show and they enjoy the show. So I like to, I like talking to them about it because I can get a perspective that I simply cannot have because I'm too deep in it. Um, but what I found is that most people that I ask, they absolutely, they just forget. Like they'll see the recap in the show, but they forget. They forget that this thing is going on. They forget that. And so when it pops up, to them, it's like, man, I feel like it's been two, three weeks ago. And in some cases, it has. So the recaps, I mean, I, they they do their job. They recap the angle that is not taking place on the show. But when you do that at the beginning and you got an hour and then you got another six days to the next one and, and you may not get the, the follow-up at that match either, it's easy to forget. Uh, I really think that they should workshop or brainstorm on how to keep 
some of these angles lively without needing to do vignettes for everything. I know for them it's like, well, we got to shoot a scene. You don't have to shoot a scene for everything. Clearly that's not the case. Uh, it's a recap of something not seen again or referred to during the show. That's pretty much what it is. And then we roll off into the, the uh, opening match. The opening match is, we'll call them the fashionistas. Gigi Gianni and Amber Rodriguez versus Steffi Slays and Jennifer Gen Z Flores. Uh, this match moves fine. Uh, the one thing that I noticed initially was the commentator's story of Rodriguez being frustrated with her losses. And at first, when they said that, I was, my note was that, yeah, she should be frustrated. This heel turn was pointless so far. Most times when you get somebody that turns heel on TV, it's because they were losing a bunch and then they turn heel so they can win. Uh, this didn't go anywhere. She turned heel for no reason, no rhyme, no reason. They didn't explain it. They never showed you. She never spoke about it. Gianni never spoke about it. It was a poor angle. This, it was just a poor, poor angle. And they just need to accept the fact that this was just badly executed. Uh, and it, it, like I said, it was a pointless heel turn. Did not do anything of her. But at the same time, the amount of conversation or the amount of monologuing that he had talking about her frustrations and she didn't win. I was like, okay, she, she must be winning tonight. They have foreshadowed this to death. And what happened? They won. I mean, I would, I would go deeper into it, but I mean, that's, that's pretty much the story there. They finally won. Uh, Rodriguez and Gianni finally got a win after weeks of teaming with each other over who knows what. They finally scored a win. The problem with that win is it's too little too late. Gianni and Gambino, when they were together, they could have been inserted into the tag team mix, the tag team championship mix. Let's make that point. But then Gambino left, and it put Gianni in a bad spot in the holding pattern. They just assigned Rodriguez to Gianni, and they didn't do anything to, to, to move that along or explain why she did it or how Gianni convinced her or what, you know, whatever reasons that it happened. Even the follow-up angle that they did with um, Jesse Jones and Americana was was poorly executed. It was, it was an angle that started off at the climax. And that's just you know, absurd. But this match was a fine match to watch. So if you're looking at it in the vacuum of, hey, it's just we just have a match here. I mean, you're not going to be disappointed. It's, it's nice to see. Slays does far better. I mean, uh, she... Her improvement continues to go on. Uh, <clears throat> but this was this was a night for the heels. I mean, uh, or this was a match for the heels. Flores, at some point in the match, comes in to try and save her partner. And when she gets into the ring to save her partner, because... Um, not Flores, but uh, Rodriguez stops the count that would have happened by Steffi Slays. That's what brings Flores in. She tries to go for her finish on Rodriguez. 
<clears throat> she's unable to hit it because Rodriguez blocks it, and they have her get put out with uh, the her overdrive finish just puts her down, and Flores hits the floor. So that that takes care of that. So now we got time for a double team maneuver that you know a, a tandem offense move by Gianni and Rodriguez. They essentially do like a three D with a sit out face buster instead of a cutter. Uh, who was the setup for that? I, I, I think Gianni. Gianni was the setup for it. She she was in the Devon role, and, and Rodriguez was in the uh, Bubba Ray role. So Gianni does the setup. She does the lift. <clears throat> Rodriguez does the face plant. They drop Steffi Slays. I know Slays uh, has been largely used as enhancement, but I really don't have any complaint for this one here because she has at least – gotten wins not a steamrolling rack of wins just one after the other but it's enough to where you could look at her and like okay well i don't know if she's gonna win don't know if she's gonna lose because she, she you know she's not just jobber material anymore she's she's elevated herself from that <laughs> so so we got we got her moving along even though she took the hit this is fine like I said, and the only issue that I had with that is that there was a lot of foreshadowing to this. I guess she's frustrated with her losses and yada, 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 and then next thing you know, she wins. So I would like to see them continue on, but the, the, the field that they have for the tag team championship contenders is a little heavy right now. I think that while it do well, to have something initiated that other teams could win but not necessarily have to defend. Um, I'll explain that. <clears throat> Dusty Rhodes, when he was with the NWA, didn't he he was world champion three times, but if you count the days or you look at the amount of days that he held it, he was never champion for a long period of time. He never had a long period of time. Made a lot of impact, but he never held, held it for a long period of time. He didn't need to hold it for a long because he was Dusty Rhodes. He was the biggest star of his era, or one of the biggest stars of his era. So the, the necessity to have the uh, championship was not high on, for him. Uh, but they did. I shouldn't say they because he was booking. He did do things to keep Dusty Rhodes relevant. Dusty Rhodes tags with the hot team, the Road Warriors. Dusty Rhodes tags with the hottest babyface team, the Rock and Roll Express. Dusty Rhodes wins the World Television Championship. And if you hear him do the interviews past that point, he talks that belt up like it was the next coming of a world title. Like this is the most important belt in the world outside of the World's Championship. Uh, he won several bunkhouse stampedes, which really isn't anything. I mean, but it was something that he could win. Um, the the Crockett Cup tournament, big trophy and the and the million dollar check. You had other things that people could win and do that would allow them to uphold their status without being um the champion of their company or division, whatever. So you get what I'm saying. I, Gianni and Rodriguez, 
Or for that example, uh, for that matter, teams like Exile or the Heavy Metal, whoever. Whoever it is that they deemed as a, the, the next in line, Las Banditas, let's say. Whoever that may be, they need to have something that they could, you know, even if, let's just say that we're, we're doing a, a wild invitational four corners tag team match. The winner of this match will get the trophy and they'll get the money and, you know, we'll get the medals. We got, you know, I, I, at this point, I would have made up something because I just need you to know that these people are still a top team because winning in this hour show and then not being seen for two or three weeks doesn't really help. Uh, promo. <laughs> you know, I, it's simple, but I come back to that. Promos. Where are they? So anyway, the heels win clean. Uh, nothing really else to, to say about that. The next segment was a setup for the title main event, the rest of the show. I mean, it's the same thing every week, so it, it's 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 just the, the show rundown. Uh, that is followed by the setup for the six-person tag, which illustrates the feud. Uh, progressing in logical order, and I absolutely agree with it. Absolutely agree with it. This, this match that I'm about to talk about now is one that I could sit and I continue to watch this feud. I don't have a problem with any of it. You know, most of it. The match is Exile, Genesis, Exodus, and Ice Cold versus Candy Crush, Princess Ozzy, and Keita Rush. Keita Rush was positioned as the mystery partner to Candy Crush and Princess Ozzy. If you saw the, the, the match that Exile won, they cheated and they won. Good, good uh, segment. And that left Crush and Ozzy, hey, they, they cheated, but you give us another match and we'll come up with our partner and then we'll take them on again. And so Keita Rush was the partner in this in this case. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know if the mystery partner thing had to be a secret because it's not like you were going to get the old and my partner is you know Psycho Sid and and, and uh, he was like oh my God no you can't bring that monster here it's crazy I don't know if we had that moment and Keita Rush never had that kind of reputation. So I don't know whether the mystery partner deal was was necessary. I mean, it's fine. It doesn't hurt it, but I don't know if it was necessary. I, Exile came out and did their normal intro, and, and it's a very visibly appealing intro. And, and, and you can see fans back there visibly applauding them just for the intro. Ah... Uh, that right there made me change my mind about the intro that they do. It looks good. It looks good on camera. But either they need to do something else to make those fans dislike them or they shouldn't do it. But it's got to be one of them. The fans should not be cheering Exile. You know, even if it's just their their intro, they shouldn't be cheering them. They should be disliked. So they need to be doing something with Exile that gets them heat with the fans. Cuss them out, throw stuff. I don't know, but they need to do something. I don't want, you know, if this is my TV, I don't want to see the fans back there applauding you. You're the heels. Be heels. Uh, Exile attacks the babyface team, Candy Crush, Princess Ozzy, and Keita Rush before the bell. So they are doing the, 
the heel stuff as they should. I, again, really have very little issues with this uh, with this match. I was going to say the show, but with this match. I, I, well, not just this match, with this feud. I have very little issues with this feud. It, this is probably the best feud that WoW has produced. In terms of logical order, it started off with one thing, then it progressed to, you know, you know, baby faces win, then it progressed to the heels win. Matter of fact, I think it started off singles match, Candy Crush versus Exodus. Then that elevated to a tag team match, the Exile versus Crush and Ozzy, then the heels win. And then that elevated to a three-person match, the Exile with Ice Cold versus Ozzy, uh, Rush, and Crush. This has been a very logical progression from one thing to the next. And I just, I I got nothing to, to complain about here. More so than that, Ice Cold, I have felt uh, she was so tiny and and she didn't really have purpose. She was just kind of hanging around with one group to the next. Here, uh she didn't turn uh, everything around. And she didn't come off like a world beater or something. But I wrote down here, Ice Cold had the MVP spot of the team momentarily. I loved that she worked as a heel. I loved that she worked to try and win. Not just go through spots. Not just do stuff to try to make it look pretty or entertaining and whatnot. She looked like a person that was trying to make sure that I do everything in my power to save my team and get this win in. At the end of the match, <clears throat> um, pitcher, you know, uh, Princess Ozzy has already done her her high spot. She does the dive through the ropes and hits um, I want to say that's Genesis Exodus is in the ring she gets essentially an attitude adjustment by Crush on the inside Ice Cold comes in and stops it and not only does she stop and break up the pin she gets Crush and hits her with like a it's not a knee drop it's more like a, I guess a knee driver it was a little unconventional, but it was it was it was good in its grittiness. I mean, it didn't. I mean, it didn't look sloppy or nothing like that. But it it was good, and it looked like somebody like okay, I I got to do the best I could do, and she did. Um, she pulls her partner over, tags herself in, goes immediately at the crush, uh, and to her credit, Mendez on commentary kind of talked her up. She's like, hey, when you're that small, sometimes you have to be feisty like that. And she and she was. And, and the other thing that made this work for Ice Cold, I, I, I'm going to applaud her here. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who put this match together. I'm going to applaud her, and I'm going to applaud every participant in this match. Ice Cold... While her partner's on the floor, she she goes for the cover on Crush, couldn't get it, and then just starts wailing away on Candy Crush. 
Then she looks up and like realizes I'm the only one in this ring, so I gotta I gotta work. She charges across the ring and hits a shoulder block and knocks Princess Ozzy off the apron. She tries to take a swing at Candy Crush, but it's a wild swing and, and, and not Candy Crush, Keita Rush. It's a wild swing and Keita Rush saw it coming, so she ducks. Makes perfect sense, right? So she hits her back. Ice cold, staggers off, and that gives an opening for Rush to do her her finish, which is now a springboard crossbody. Beautiful execution. She comes across, flies over to, across the ring, nails Ice Cold, rolls out because she's not the legal woman. That gave Candy Crush enough time to get up to the second rope and prepare for her superwoman punch. <clears throat> so you know she does the old let's go. Still not a fan of that, but I'm but I'm happy that she is getting better. Nails ice cold, knocks her out. One, two, three, they win. Baby faces go over. I'm not mad at this match at all. Like I said, it was a natural progression. It made most of them look good. And even in defeat, it made ice cold come off good. Why? Because even though she was beaten, A, like I said, she took an MVP spot. She saved the original members of Exile even at the expense of sacrificing herself. And B, technically, she was beaten because she had to take on two people. Now, she got one of them off the apron. But Keita Rush, I mean, yes, Ice Cold took a shot at her first, so it opened it up. She was perfectly justified in taking a shot back. <clears throat> Keita Rush does her high cross body from somebody who took an illegal shot at her. But it gives Ice Cold the excuse of, I had to take on everybody. I knocked off one. I got caught with the other one that distracted me and set me up for a punch in the mouth from Candy Crush. So she loses, but she loses and she has a complaint. She has a gripe. She has a reason to be able to say that would not happen again if we did such and such. Or I want to be even. You know, we, if you want to do that, then let's just have no holes barred. Something. Like I said, if they were to go to the next step in this, I wouldn't be mad about it. I, I actually thought that this was well done. And good tandem offense included in there by Ice Cold and Exile. If you haven't had a chance to watch it, you should, you know, you should watch it. I'm not sure if this feud is done. I don't know if this was the blow-off. Sometimes WoW is very hard to tell with that. It's hard to know whether they've blown off of a feud or not. Like because they they seemingly have had this uh very anticlimactic uh way of doing things. But you know, what are you gonna do? Next segment, we got a recap of the heavy metal sisters um getting upset with each other this is a pointless angle and it went nowhere that, that is, i'm not even gonna go through the whole recap the heavy metal sisters having tension amongst themselves was a pointless angle and it went nowhere it was a waste of time uh it, it, not just a waste of time it was a waste of valuable tv time they should have done something else they, they never showed them arguing. They never showed how bad this was getting. They never showed any attention. They never showed Mesmer even making effort to try to stop it. And it ended as quickly as it began. This was pointless. So 
it also set up a match that was just filler. This is Raymond Del Rey versus Fury. This, I came out of a good match into this. We've got the commentators talk about tag teams that are represented by these two. And they're such great tag teams. Raina Del Rey and Wrecking Ball is. That Wrecking Ball is gone immediately after they announced them as a tag team. That's how good of a team they are. Not even I'm gone. I'm not even going to be in your corner. Why are they pushing this as some sort of tag team? For what? It didn't even make sense. I mean, it didn't make sense in the four-way because they're like, well, you know, they're, they're teams, and all of a sudden they got to fight each other. I was like, what, really? They, they've tagged up once, and we're supposed to be concerned or care that they have to face off each other now? It was absolutely pointless. So they talked this up during the old let's change the narrative deal. And let's just go to the end of this. Wrecking Ball went back to the wasteland, apparently, which they, in their minds, completely justified, even though they're like, yeah, you know, all these great tag teams are back together and blah, blah, blah. And they set Fury of the Heavy Metal Sisters up as the um, given muscle of the group. And now that the group is back together and we're a unit, then we're going to send Fury out here to take on Raina Del Rey in this singles match that neither Mesmer nor Razor are going to accompany her for, nor is Raina Del Rey's alleged tag team partner Wrecking Ball going to be out there either. This match was quick, didn't really go long. Del Rey won uh, and got her in, I would say, fairly short order. She catches... Fury tries to go to the top rope, which I should have looked at that and said, okay, this is a setup for something because of the time I've seen Harlow, a.k.a. Fury, I don't know if I've ever seen her go to the top rope. I don't know if I've ever seen her go to the top rope when she started. I don't know if I've ever seen her go to the top rope when she was in her priestess gimmick on the independence. I don't know if I've seen her go to the top rope in a while. I just do not remember seeing her go to the top rope. If she did, it's not a normal thing. So she goes to the top rope. Del Rey catches her, gets her on her back. Uh, not, excuse me, not on her back. Has her up on her shoulders like an electric chair position. Walks her to a turnbuckle and drops her face first on the top turnbuckle. Fury is pretty much a limp noodle at this point. So now Del Rey who has already beaten Razor with this, has has just now knocked off Fury. So she's beaten single-handedly the Heavy Metal Sisters. Not at the same time, mind you, but she's beaten them both. And without much of a fuss. So she she drops uh, them, she drops her, and, hey, McLean, I want everybody. Give me, you know, whoever you want, whoever you got. She cuts a promo at the end that essentially says that she's a single star. This, I mean, yeah, she worked in. I want a shot at the tag titles. I want a shot at the singles title. I want everything. But it basically was a singles promo. It didn't mention anything about, you know, the team that I'm a part of. It's just I want, I want this, I want that. I want, I want, I want. So, yeah, it just, it was, it was just filler. 
It was eight minutes worth of filler for the show. That that's pretty much what it came down to. Um, they do a preview for next week. Advertising Las Benditas taking on the Tonga Twins, which I think is probably be a good match. Uh, they come back and they say, you know, we're live from Los Angeles. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. The L.A. seems to be their stomping ground slash part of their identity. But in this backstage segment, um, we're seeing the Fabulous Four have lack of concern about Tiki. And there's no explanation as to why she has to shot to begin with. There's no build to this. Uh, this segment couldn't save it. I mean, the, the segment sets up how they feel about her. And that's, I guess that's basically it. What they didn't do is they didn't set the underdog tone throughout the course of the show. Uh, they did not do that, nor did we understand how Tiki got the shot to begin with. It just She just has it somehow. Uh, what I would have liked is throughout the course of the hour, present Tiki in this in this position of I got this amazing opportunity that I'm not sure if I'm ready for. I haven't done this. I haven't been, you know, wrestled at that level. I've, you know, I'm not sure if I'm ready to, to go. And then you have, you know, the Isle of Dynasty people or whoever pumping her up. And you, you can have the Fabulous Four throughout the course of the night. It's like, you ain't, you don't belong in the ring with me. You don't, you shouldn't even be in the same atmosphere as me. I'm not even going to bother having, you know, uh, Vicky Lynn or or the tag team champions come out of him. I, I barely, I don't even need Lana Starr, but, you know, she's obligated to be there. But listen, I'm going to tell her not to do anything. You're not even in my league. You know, that they don't have a lot of interactions like that where somebody could talk back and forth and illustrate the point. Yeah, they get these segments where, all right, we're off in the locker room and they can do that, but there's only so much you can do when you're talking amongst yourselves and there's nothing that they nothing that they can specifically say, probably because the match either hasn't taken place or they, or they have loose notes as to what they can and can't talk about. That's one of the problems you have when you shoot stuff out of, out of sequence. Uh when this match started, I, I am now completely convinced that the commentators have absolutely zero idea of what takes place in these backstage segments because the first thing out of their mouth is like, uh, Lana Starr should know better. And when she was the only person Lana Starr was in the segment that made a statement about don't underestimate Tiki. Like everybody else was, uh, you're going to have an easy night tonight, champ. Ha, ha, ha. And then Lana says, and this is at the beginning of, of this segment. If you want to hear it, go back to the beginning of this podcast. It's right there. The audio's there. Or you heard it at the beginning. What you heard was Lana Starr saying, don't take it, don't take her lightly. She's feisty. You know, that's not verbatim, but you got the idea. And then the commentators come out like they never heard or saw this segment. It's like Lana should know better and, and letting her have this match. They completely contradicted it. Was it it wasn't a big thing, but it was a contradiction. This is why I'm saying I am completely convinced now that those commentators have no idea what takes place in these segments. They can't be shot ahead of time. I'm, if I'm guessing, I'm going to assume they go in, they shoot the matches, and then they just accommodate uh, vignettes around it. Like, all right, let's go shoot these. But whatever, however it is that they're doing it, it can't be uh, that they have the ability to see this. 
Uh, after that, they go to immediately the commercial, and they advertise for Le- uh, Leah McCona versus Vicky Lee McCoy next week. Yay. Um, this match immediately disproves the position of Vicky Lee McCoy before I go into the review of the match. Because they keep going on, they carry on and on and on about Vicky Lynn's the glue. She's the reason that they had the championships, and she makes it. This disproved Vicky Lynn's whole promo that you have to go through her in order to get a shot at anybody. Tiki didn't have to go through her. When did she go through Vicky Lynn McCoy to earn a title shot? It absolutely disproved what she said. And she said it with such conviction. I wanted to believe Vicky Lee McCoy, but I like the, the booking of that only made her out to be a liar. Or just, you know, not knowing what she's talking about. But this is a standard underdog match. I mean, hence the show title. Uh, and Pink does not take her seriously. The match is constructed fine. And I think it should be noted because, you know, I will reiterate that I talk to people who do not watch wrestling regularly. <clears throat> For the persons that I spoke to about it, it was about three of them in this particular week. For the persons that I talked to about it, they was like legitimately satisfied. I was like, I was, I know she lost, but I was so happy with it. I was like, okay. Uh, because there were portions of the match that Tiki got some hope spots in. And that was very important. They got hope spots in without making Penelope look like she was terribly inept. It was more along the lines of, you know, you got got a little speed over me. You, you did a little outmaneuvering on me. Uh, and it got an advantage, but I cut it off, you know, so, as soon as possible. Um, Pink had her working shoes on. I, and, and, and in fairness, Tiki had her working boots on too. I only wish, as it related, so it, it's not the match. It was the setup for the match that bothers me. The match in, in and of itself, I think, had need could have used, I'm not going to say needed, it could have used some minor tweaks. Not necessary, but it could have used some minor tweaks in the course of the match. Uh, <clears throat> the setup for the match was bad. The match itself was was entertaining. Uh, and again, Pink and Chamaro had their working boots on. Tiki got the chance to do a couple of hope spots. Lana got the chance to be the heel manager that is taking advantage of this underdog that we allegedly do not take seriously, but I'm going to cheat for anyway. And Tiki did some nice uh, underdog spots to where like, hey, I'm, I'm fighting the back against all odds type deal. The best spot that took place in the match was like, okay, I could feel that they have set this to where they gave a little bit of hope for that audience that Tiki could pull this off. Penelope Pink gets Tiki in the corner. 
she takes a great bump. A great bump. If I am the promoter, <laughs> once she comes back through that curtain, I'm telling her that was a phenomenal bump. Don't do it again until we have a big show. Because <laughs> she's going to bust her head clean open. <laughs> she's in the corner in the old you know, punch position, like Tiki's on the, on the mat. Uh, uh, Pink is on the second term. So she's elevated, right? And, and Tiki's down. And she's about to do the, the one, two, three, you know, the punching deal. Or at least that's what we assume. She starts yelling at somebody in the audience, which comes off for her very natural because she had been giving the audience lip throughout the course of the night or throughout the course of the match. So the idea that somebody would have said something to her that she didn't like and she wanted to give words back to him is not unheard of. It did not seem out of place or something like that. In fact, I think she was yelling at David McLean. <laughs> but the bump that she took, the one I said it was a great bump, Tiki slips down. And while she slips down, she grabs the ankles or the ankle of uh, Pink and she throws herself into that top term. And I'm not entirely sure that she didn't put her, her head up against the bar that holds the top turnbuckle opposed to the turnbuckle pad itself. I, I mean, I, I went back through that footage a couple of times and tried to, I was like, it, to me, it looks like she put her head right up against that bar. Now, the bar is heavily padded, <clears throat> but it looks like that's what she did. And, she, and like I said, that, that bump was something. You would see that and believe that Tiki has every opportunity to win this match now. And, it, and it, it got a pop out of the audience. It made them cheer. And she does get a, uh, a nice flurry following that. The problem there was, uh, well, I, I have to watch my words because I don't, I don't want to say it was a problem. It's not a problem. Like I said, the match was fine. The tweak that I think could have happened. I would have liked Tiki to have gotten a couple of more could be win spots over Pink before the finish. Almost to the point that uh, people could have bought the idea that Tiki could have won. I mean, she Tiki got her in a nice roll up. I mean, she she did a couple of those things. So it's hard to say that they didn't do what is completely necessary. I think they did. They did everything they could. If the match had been longer, maybe they could have gotten that audience to really, really buy into that Tiki could pull this off. You know, with a couple of more false finishes or maybe a spot where Alana Starr has to visibly distract the referee because she's concerned or something like that, you know, something along those lines. But enough to where people thought that she could have pulled it off and won. Penelope was in the Harley Race, Nick Bockwinkle, Ric Flair spot tonight, that night. Meaning the job of the champion, of the traveling champion, was always to make the local talent look good and that the local talent could have won if necessary. Uh, I think Pink did as much as she could have done, I, 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 although I think if she had more time to construct the match, she probably could have come up with a 
better version of it. But as it is, again, the match is fine. I, you know, the the right decision was made. Pink won. Tiki got the chance to to um, push and and show that she could hang in there. But ultimately, the babyface goes down. The heel wins. So you got a, you got a lot of that. Uh, <clears throat> there were a couple of other notes that I put down there for this show. One of them that I went is that the, the backstage segments have very bland dialogue. I the whole thing that you heard at the beginning of the audio that I put is it it's not bland in their presentation. They were very energetic and happy and you know they did what they want. It's just there's there's almost nothing there in the dialogue. There's nothing there. Hey champ, you're gonna have an easy night night. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just doesn't seem like there's a lot there. You know, this is promo time. This is where they should have like a, a normal conversation, not not sound like. I know there are people on a wrestling show, but we don't want to sound like people on a wrestling show. It's very it's just generic. Same thing with the promo after the match. Lana does a fine heel manager promo. It's nothing special or specific. It's not like we're saying, "Hey, and coming up on such and such," or. And when we fight you, Leia Makona, it's, it's nothing like that. It's just generic. It's we are the best. I told you we're champion, blah, blah, blah. You know, that is, that's, it's not aimed at anything or anybody. Pink basically did the same thing um, and countered the story that the commentators are trying to tell <laughs> yeah, with, with another generic, you know, promo. Uh, essentially... What she counteracted was the commentators tried to tell the story that Pink was picking opponents because she was easy, uh, Tiki, because she was easy. But then she gets on the microphone and says, give me everybody. I'll line them all up, David McClain, because I'm going to knock them all down. I was like, well, that kind of defeats the purpose of the commentators trying to tell the story that you're picking easy opponents. If you're going to stand there and say, give me whoever you have. That doesn't sound like a, a champion who's trying to duck, uh, you know, different opponents to me. It sounds like somebody who, I got an open contract, so give it to me. You know, that, and never mind the fact that Vicky Lynn was not in this. And then that was the other thing. They brought, uh, not they, Dave McClain said a side comment as this was going on. After the match, he said, Vicky Lynn McCoy is in line for a shot. I may have to try to make that happen. Like, how is Vicky Lynn McCoy a title contender or in line for a shot? What has she done? Where is this coming from? And are we going into breaking up the Fabulous Four already? This, this How long has this actually gone? It, uh, anyway, the note that I have following that comment was, if she's so loyal, why would she be forced into a match for the championship? If she's so fiercely loyal to the Fabulous Four, like, you got to go through me. Because clearly, the championship is not a high-end thing for her at this point. Might be later, but right now, her objective is protect. She doesn't need or want a championship, apparently. <laughs> Which is why they go out of their way to try to make it sound like she has some important part that they can't prove that she's the glue. And she's not. 
But if she was so fiercely loyal to this and she was such an intricate part of the story, why wasn't she at ringside here? Why didn't Tiki Chamorro have to go through her to get the shot like they claimed? And is this setting up a breakup for the Fabulous Four already? This just seems too soon. Uh, this show was like a C for me. This was like a C minus. Match one and four are fine. Uh, did I say one and four? No. Um, actually, I shouldn't say C minus. That's not right. Uh, it was an average show. Just C. Match one, two, and four. Gianni and Rodriguez versus Slays and Flores. Exile versus the Crush, Ozzy and Rush. And the main event, Tomorrow versus Pink. Those are the matches that were worth watching in this episode. The Del Rey versus Fury match was just a throwaway. And it probably was designed to be a throwaway. It didn't have anything to that. But <clears throat> the, the other thing that I, before I wrap this up, because I, I, I put down some notes of things that I, I thought would illustrate uh, another point here. I said that uh, if it were me, I would have liked to have seen them build Chamorro throughout the course of the hour to that main event. That would have been the way that I would have gone it or pitched it. So that by the time we get to the main event, at least the viewing audience at home will understand what's going on, where we're going, how she got this shot, you know, and what her opponents think about her in total. And I probably would have allotted, you know, maybe a little bit more time for it. If anything, I would have lopped off that Randy Del Rey Fury match and, you know, tried to give some more time. Uh, some people would say that, you know, trying to get that all done in one episode would be difficult to do and, or if not impossible. It, it's not impossible, which is why I wrote these things down. I have a list of some of the quickest angles that worked on television. I illustrated this because I felt like, okay, if you're going to try to build in an hour, you need to know that it can be done. And sometimes that falls on the lap of the performer. Well, I ain't going to say it sometimes. It does fall on the lap of the performer. They have to deliver the goods. And they got to deliver the goods talking if, they, if you're going to get a quick angle executed. That might be some of the problem. They don't give them a chance to talk. They don't put a microphone in their hands unless it's at the end. And when they do, it's stuff like what I just told you. It's very generic. It's not aimed at anything or anybody. It's just, hey, guys, we you know we won, and I, I'm the best. You know, the, the generic things that any heel or babyface will say and do. It's not like they pointed as like, yeah, the next time I step in the ring with you, Makoa, I'm going to beat you so bad that your own mother and father that come out every week won't recognize you. Matter of fact, they're going to wish that they never had a child after I put the beating on you that I'm going to put on you. You know, just a promo so that people can either get behind or root against that person. But some of the quickest angles that I had as, as examples to show that it can be done. Primetime wrestling on, from the WWF when Mr. Perfect turns babyface. Why was this happening? The Ultimate Warrior was let go and what was that, three days ahead of their pay-per-view. He was going to be in the main event with Randy Savage. They spent the entire episode of this show dedicated to what uh, what uh, to working Mr. Perfect into a babyface turn so that he could take the match. 
And they did that all over the course of one show. Now, granted, that show's like two hours. But still, they did it all over the course of one show. Uh, Jerry Lawler and his feud with The Miz. They built Jerry Lawler up for his match with The Miz, that uh, TLC match that he had, essentially in one night. And Lawler was such a great performer that he made those people believe that he could win it. But how did they do it? It was the promos, the video pack. You know, they... they yeah, that there was a lead into it at some because the Miz was being a jerk. I think the, like the week before to, to Jerry Lawler, but he but he got the match, and in one show's time, Jerry Lawler made those fans believe that he could win the WWE Championship, and they wanted him to win it. They were pushing, and he you know it just didn't didn't happen. But you get the idea. He had that crowd in the palm of his hands. Um, this didn't happen over the course of a night, but it was a change. So I kind of put this in as an honorable mention, Ric Flair versus Big Van Vader, uh, the, the last minute career match, <laughs> but they, they put career on it because they, they had to give something to Flair to give it some kind of uh, weight. <clears throat> but you knew going into that, that going into the pay-per-view was going to be Flair and, and Vader. The reason I include it is because they swapped out Sid and then they then they positioned Flair, and they had to get Flair kind of prepared for it in relatively quick or short order. Even though he already had a name, you know, Flair already had a name. He already had a position. He was already a main event guy, so it was, it was easier to slide in there, which is why this is just an honorable mention opposed to a full on example. But the idea there is that when you got to Starcade, they still went through the measure of over the course of the pay-per-view I'm here in the car with Ric Flair we're taking this last ride from his house in Charlotte North Carolina going to the arena this mean gene is Ric Flair they're talking they're talking candidly they're talking openly gene this could be it for me you know I, this is all I've ever done you know I, you know I love the business but I'm you know I'm putting my career on the line against a monster like Vader of course this is verbatim but you, the idea was is that they were – it was a very serious tone. They did everything they could to make the idea that this career match was up in the air mean something. Uh, the Dudley boys win and lose the ECW Tag Team Championships on their final night in ECW. Again, an angle that basically took place over the course of one night. We, we came in here. We're addressing the crowd who already know that we're leaving, that we signed our contract. But we want to do one other thing. If you give us the honor to come out here and defend those titles one last time and whatever, man, you know, no hold, there's always no holds barred in ECW. So they had that they, because of the promo from Bubba Ray. You had the match. They win the match. Now we got another promo from, from the Bubba Ray and Devon about you know, what they were going to do with the championships and this, that, and the other. Now we're talking to the people in the back, and, you know, it's setting up for Tommy Dream. It sets up for the return of Raven. One, two, three, the Dudley boys are out. We do the goodbyes, and we've passed this torch on to Raven and Dreamer to pick up their rivalry slash friendship slash feud slash partnership. 
And again, all in the course of one night, Rhino winning the NWA championship from Jeff Jarrett at the first bound for glory. All in one night, Kevin Nash calls out. He can't make it. He has heart problems. He cannot do the pay-per-view. So now we got to find a new main event substitute, Rhino. We're going to figure out how we're going to get this main event in later on tonight, folks. We'll, we'll, I promise you we're going to do Larry Zabisco is like the general manager. Rhino wins the, 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 uh, the Monsters Ball with a Rhino driver from the second rope. They announced that it's going to be a gauntlet of the participants that, you know, were there earlier in the night. Rhino wins that. And then he goes directly into a championship match and gores Jeff Jarrett and wins the, the title. All in one night. Now, that was less promo and more performance from Rhino. But again, it can be done. And one of the other ones uh, that I think that's crazy good, Bill Dundee turns heel and wins the championship from Jerry Lawler and Memphis Championship Wrestling. It's an hour show, so it's very comparative to this. Dundee comes out, and he is hyper as all get out, and he's talking about how he and Jerry Lawler are the best tag team. We could beat everybody. We could beat the Road Warriors. We could beat the Rock and Roll Express. We could beat the Fabulous Ones. You name them, we can knock them down. They do their promo. They leave. The Fabulous Ones come out later in this program, and Steve Kern is very, very subtle, very calm. Hey, look, you know, I know some people believe everything they hear on TV, but I just want to be clear We've not faced them. I'm not saying that we're scared. I'm just saying people take things at a, at a, with a grain of salt. You know, we don't know if we could beat them, and they don't know if they could beat us. So, you know, we leave it at that. Then here comes Dundee. He comes charging right back out. And well, we can do it right now. We could go. We could rust right. Come on, let's get in the ring. And he's and he's hyper. He's telling them, "Come on, Jerry, let's get." They're challenging us. He's doing a little Napoleon complex. <laughs> like, like no matter what Steve Kern or Stan Lane said. He heard you challenging me, and well, I well we'll beat you then. You know I got no problem. But when when Lawler does not, he said no. I don't. We don't, we don't want matches like that. You know. Then it turns into oh okay. So you got a belt and they got a belt. So I'm just nothing, right? So now you you got Dundee getting all hyped up, and he <clears throat> once he starts mouthing off at his partner. And the fabulous ones, then it's like, look, I don't want to be your partner anymore. So Dundee pushes his, I guess, then former partner, Jerry Lawler, pushes both of the fabulous ones, takes off like a kid out of the <laughs> out of the studio. And he comes back later on. And he's got uh, his, I can't remember if it was the, if the deed or the, or the key. I think it was the keys to his car. He was trying to go Lawler into giving him a shot at his Southern title. The reason being because, because the Southern champion had a match against Ric Flair in like the following two weeks, we'll say. Uh, so the angle moved very, very fast. Uh, Lawler comes back out. He has the championship. And Dundee is like, just give me the shot. I'll do, you know, I get my car. You know, this is a top of the line car at the time. And then Jerry gives him the shot. Dundee... Pulls a fast one, wins the match, which is a, for for Memphis. This is like a main event match on free TV. This would have been the equivalent of Rock versus Austin. This would have been the equivalent of Flair versus Dusty. This would have been the equivalent of 
of uh, Roman Reigns and Cody Rose. Whatever, whatever main event that you can think of, just think about that just being on free Saturday morning TV. That's what this was. It was quick. So they didn't, you know, they didn't give it all away. Uh, like I said, Dundee pulled a fast one. Lawler loses. Dundee now has the championship. And he is elated. He's like a little leprechaun running around there. And he's basically saying, I'm not going to give Jerry Lawler another shot at this title until I have my match with Flair. Then you can have the belt. Because he said, look, it's inside of 30 days. This is when the 30-day rule was still active. It's inside of 30 days. I don't have to defend it. I'm not going to defend it. I'm going to go and I'm going to wrestle against Flair. And, you know, I'm going to win the world's title. Then I just hand it to you. I don't care. You know, he's being a heel thing. Jerry is now saying, hey, look, I gave you a shot. You know you cheated me. Give me my sh- my rematch this Monday night at the Coliseum and, you know, for the for the title. And, of course, Dundee's saying the same thing. No, I'm not going to give it to you. And, you know, that's when Lawler's like, okay, look, Dundee will not give me the shot right now because he's glad. He's happy. You know, what I found in this business that if you want to give a shot to somebody, you got to be mad <laughs> to get some stuff done. And if I'm giving you one more chance, Dundee, if you give me the shot. And he says no. He's like, all right, well, I'll look, by the end of this show, I promise you, you're going to be mad enough to give me what I want. I love it. <laughs> it's such an easy angle. But anyway, so they go on. Lawler comes back with a baseball bat in his hand because he said, this is what happened to me. And it's like nothing made me matter when Rue went out there and busted up my car with a, with a ball bat. So, so he goes out. And remember, this is a TV studio. I don't know if it, how many of y'all have been inside a TV studio. So it's not that far walk to the parking lot in, in some cases. Goes right outside and goes right to the, to the, uh, the car. Dundee's car. And that's the other thing. At that point, you know, a lot of times people knew what people were driving. So they they it wasn't like they questioned it. And he's standing out there with a baseball bat over his car saying, if you don't sign this inside of the time that he's allotting, then I'm just gonna bust this thing up. It won't be worth twenty-five cents, much less the twenty-five thousand dollars, you know, whatever it is that he said he paid. It's probably twenty-five hundred. But anyway. Uh Dundee comes out there and for fear of his car, when Lawler's about to bash it, he's all right, fine, 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 fine. You know, he he go he signs it because he doesn't want his car damaged. <clears throat> so that one episode set up a match for the championship for two people who were partners, not maybe a couple of hours ahead of that. And now they're going up against each other that Monday at the Coliseum for the championship to determine who will not only be the Southern champ, but who will be the number one contender to the world title. And they did it so quick. It's not impossible. It's not an impossible thing to do. Uh, and, but, you know, I, and I, want, like, I wanted to make sure that I, I put those across because I thought those are really great examples of people who had to produce a uh, angle very quickly and they did they produced the angle very quickly um wow was fine it was an average show for me what did you think of it you can uh, leave your comments below or you can email them in as, as some of you have done <coughs> you can go to uh the Women's Pro Wrestling Network website, WPNWrestling.com. And you hit the contact button there, and I will get it. Uh, you can 
message or leave a comment on the YouTube uh, channel. You can you can message me either on uh, Facebook or Instagram. I had to get my thought together there. <laughs> but that's about it. I mean, it, you, you can contact. I, I try to catch it when I can catch it. Some, and, and for those who did use Facebook, let's say, or Meta, if they call it that. For those who that have done that, I, I will say sometimes it does get buried underneath just random dudes. Some people out there think that this the site is operated by the women themselves. So I get weird messages. <laughs> I get weird messages like that. You know, hey, you know, one feet pictures. I mean, just ridiculous stuff. So, I, so for the women out there, I understand your plight because I've become some sort of conduit to it. But in any case, uh, if you want to send that over, you can send it in one of those platforms again. WPNWrestling.com is the way to go for all things of the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. It is the nexus of everything that we have, podcasts, videos, uh, <coughs> articles, or, or blog posts, if you will, and more. I need to reconstruct that side a little bit, but it's still up and running. There's a still a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week wrestling and sometimes video gaming interview stream. That is that's there all the time. So if you want to see this thing grow, if you want to see it get to the next level, support that. Send some people over there to it. Have some people know that the Women's Pro Wrestling Network exists. For those people that you know who are fans of women's sports, athletics, and wrestling. And with that, we will wrap this on up. So, folks, this is Mr. Green saying that this is Mr. Green saying so long, and we will see you on the next go-round. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the WPN's Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. If you have questions or comments, please contact us via our Facebook or our YouTube channel at the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. If you're new to the WPN, feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our page. We appreciate your support. Thank you again for listening.